I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Senate is heading for a nail-biter vote on whether to call additional witnesses or to end this impeachment trial once and for all. The senator and I sit down in daylight for a change to get his strategy before he heads to Capitol Hill. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. Senator, I don't remember the last time I saw you in daylight. (laughs) Well, hopefully the sunshining indicates we're near the end of this journey. (laughs) I, I want to get 
your thoughts on the likelihood of that. I want to get your strategy on the, the last day of questions yep. today. There are some reports coming out that John Barrasso, the number three Republican in the Senate, says that the momentum is heading in the direction of not calling additional witnesses. There are other reports that we might get a 50-50 vote perfectly split, in which case I want to know who breaks the tie. You know, it's an open question. Uh, It is close right now. Uh, We need 51 votes to definitively say the trial is done. Mm -hmm. We don't need additional witnesses. Let's move on to final judgment. If we have 51 votes, we can wrap this up in the next couple of days. Uh, if we don't, and I hope the momentum's going that way, as, as we talked about in the last podcast, I think there are at least two Republicans who are pretty clearly going to vote with the Democrats, Mitt Romney and Susan Collins. Mm-hmm. That means they have 49 votes. There are the two next most likely are Lisa Murkowski and Lamar Alexander. I don't know where they're going to be. They're, very, they're holding their cards very close mm-hmm. to the vest. Uh, they could end up on either side of that. Uh, and I think they're considering it carefully. They seem to be genuinely struggling with this decision. Uh, if it ends up 50-50, we're in a little bit of uncharted territory. <laughs> uh, under the scheduling order we adopted, I think Republican leadership's argument would be 50-50 means witnesses are not in order. In other words, let's move on. Right. You can't have additional witnesses. Okay. Uh, I am certain that the Democrats will argue if it's 50-50, it means witnesses are in order. So who decides then? Who knows? <laughs> um, look, look, This th- th- there's not a whole lot of precedent here. There's not, a, under the Senate rules, it's not, I can make the arguments on both sides of that. Mm-hmm. I understand the arguments on both sides of that. Uh, it is possible the Chief Justice will have a view. Uh, it is not clear. So the Chief Justice doesn't play the role of the Vice President. You know, normally in the Senate, the Vice President breaks ties. Right. That's not the Chief Justice's role. The Chief Justice's role is to preside. Now, there's some historical precedent for the Chief Justice breaking a 50-50 tie. That happened in the impeachment of Andrew Johnson twice. Hmm. But then the senators got unhappy with that, and and the Chief Justice receded and said, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. So as with so many aspects of this trial, we really don't have a lot of precedent to go on. Uh, We are in uncharted territory. If If Chief Justice Roberts decided to vigorously assert himself and make a ruling, I don't know what would happen. I don't think that's all that likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you may recall at his confirmation hearing, he used the analogy of wanting to be an umpire in baseball. Right. I, I think that's what he wants to do. And, and so one of the nice things he did, which he didn't have to do, but, but yesterday he enforced a five-minute time limit on answers to questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the same thing Rehnquist had done. There's nothing in the rules that makes him do five minutes. Yeah. But I think every senator was grateful because if it hadn't been a five-minute time limit, you would have just seen the lawyers on both sides filibuster forever. And so, right. and you would have only gotten to a handful of questions right, instead right. of all. Okay. But, so, but that's an example where that was within his discretion. Although mm-hmm. that being said, if enough senators disagreed, 51 of us could have overruled him. Right. Um, right. So it's it's... Yeah. That sort of ruling is a perfect example of, I think everyone agreed with it, so it was fine, but where it, where it runs into problems is if the Chief Justice is, is disagreeing mm-hmm. with the majority. By the way, you saw the House managers suggest something last night. They said, we're perfectly fine with the Chief Justice deciding everything, deciding right. evidentiary motions, deciding everything. Now, look, you got to understand, that argument makes perfect sense when you're in the minority. Why is that? There are 47 Democrats. Mm -hmm. On any party line vote, they're going to lose. They know that. Remember, we had 11 motions on day one. They Uh lost all 11. 
They understand that. So if you're going to lose on any party line vote, it's in your interest to find any other decision maker. Give the power to, away. Let somebody else make the decision. And, and even if they think they're not going to win with the chief, they got a better chance mm-hmm. if they know that they're outvoted. It, it's sort of like, all right, in election recounts. Have you noticed that when an election is close, the prevailing party never calls for a recount? <laughs> right. Like whoever's been declared the winner, even if by one vote, uh-huh. you don't see that person saying we need a recount. It's always the guy who's lost. Yes. <laughs> because if you've lost, it's your only chance. a recount is the only thing that can benefit you. That's a little bit the same as what's going on here. So obviously then today is going to matter a lot before we get to this vote. The reason I wanted to sit down today before we get to the impeachment trial is I want to hear a little bit about your strategy, yeah. how you prepare when you're going in, when you're writing these questions. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you going to ask today when you get to the Hill? Well, you're looking at all right, what parts of the story haven't been told, what hasn't been told as effectively as it should, what additional facts need to brought, be brought out, what weaknesses uh, in, in the defenses or the house manager's case mm-hmm. sh- should you shine a light on. Um, some of what I'm looking at, some of the areas that there are still aspects of, of the evidence of corruption, the evidence of corruption of Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company, of, of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden that, that still haven't been fleshed out mm-hmm. uh, and that I think need to. Um, so, for, for example, uh, there, there is an email exchange that, that happened when, when Chris Hines, so Chris Hines is the stepson of John Kerry. John Kerry was, was Obama's secretary of state. Chris Hines was business partners with Hunter Biden and with this guy, Devin Archer, who was Chris Hines' college roommate. Three yeah. of them were business partners. First, Devin Archer and then Hunter Biden both joined the board of Burisma. They both are getting paid a million bucks a year. Right. And Chris Hines does a couple of things. Number one, he sends an email to, the, to his stepfather's chief of staff, to John Kerry's chief of staff, and, and, and he says, apparently, Devin and Hunter both joined the board of Burisma and, made a press, and a press release went out today. I can't speak to why they decided to do so, but there was no investment by our firm in that company. Trying to clear his name, trying now, to now dissociate it's, himself. It's fascinating that he sends this email. It's also fascinating. John Kerry's chief of staff, notice he doesn't say Devin Archer and Hunter Biden. He says Devin and Hunter. So the chief of staff knows exactly who these guys mm-hmm. are. He knows what Burisma is. He doesn't explain Burisma is this Ukrainian company. You may not know it. Chief of staff knew exactly what Burisma mm-hmm. was, knew exactly who Devin and Archer was. And what did Chris Hines do? He went on to say he terminated his business relationships with Hunter and Biden. And he said it was unacceptable to work for Burisma. Now, the White House defense team briefly got into this. But the House managers have never had to ask a question, answer a question on this. They've, they've never had to address. Now, wait a second. If Chris Hines thought it was unacceptable to work for Burisma, did John Kerry think that? Did his stepfather think that? And mm-hmm. did Joe Biden? Th- th- that and, and look, one of the things to keep in mind also, what really matters legally, we've talked about in any litigation, you want to simplify. Mm-hmm. Your enemy is getting so complicated and you get bogged down in the weeds. You want to simplify. The question that matters, you know, I did Sean Hannity a couple of days ago and he had five points that are critical to remember. Look, that's fine. I said, Sean, there's one. 
You want to simplify to what matters. What matters legally is does a president have the authority to investigate corruption and credible evidence of corruption? Right. If the answer is yes, that's game over. This, this case is done. Now, and, and on the fact side, it's worth remembering that, that, listen, the question is not really whether Hunter Biden is corrupt. Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden, by all appearances, has led a, a troubled life. Right. This, this is someone with, who, who's made some unfortunate decisions in his life. The question is whether Joe Biden right. made decisions that made him part of that corruption. And I, I don't think uh, so far the connection as to why this mm -hmm. is Joe Biden's decision uh, I'll give you another example. So there was a question, and I, I joined it. It was a question that Josh Hawley asked, that, that, that I joined, and the two of us asked together. And, and it was about, did Joe Biden ever seek an opinion from the White House Counsel's Office if he could keep being mm -hmm. the point man uh, on, on Ukraine while his son was getting paid a million bucks a year from Burisma? And the White House team said, not that we know of. We have no, you know, you know, one of the things one does in government if one has a potential conflict is you go to the lawyers and say, Hey, do I got a conflict here? Right. And you get an opinion and they tell you what to do. And sometimes they tell you, recuse yourself. Don't be involved. So Joe Biden could have said, you know what? This doesn't look good. Uh, there this is are not a ton of countries on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay out of Ukraine stuff. I'll right. worry about all the other countries. I'm not going to get involved in Ukraine because my son's getting rich off of Ukraine. Right. And maybe it's not right for me to do this. So the, the House managers, the Democrats, did not have to answer this question yesterday. And you're going to ask it today. That's exactly Are right. Are you worried that Adam Schiff listens to this podcast and he's going to get a heads up? Uh, you know, no. <laughs> um, and, 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 and look, I will say this, though. Schiff is talented. Mm -hmm. He's good on his feet. Yeah. But it's interesting the questions that rattle him. The questions that rattle him are when you're getting close to the target. So you're going to ask this question. Are you going? Are there going to be questions on the same topic you're hitting, or are you going to change it up and go after another angle in question time today as well? Well, look, I'll, I'll give you another example. So Joe Biden uh, told reporters that he's never discussed his son's business dealings with him. And, and that, that, that was discussed yesterday. But what wasn't discussed <laughs> is there somebody who disagrees with that. Uh, and and that somebody who disagrees with that is Hunter Biden. <laughs> uh, and 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 Hunter Biden uh, said that he talked to his dad about his serving on the Burisma board. And Hunter said, "Quote, Dad said, I hope you know what you're doing." So one of these and guys I is... said, "I do." So hmm. why is it that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are telling different stories? That Joe says he's never talked to him about it, and Hunter's like, oh, yeah, I talked to him about it. One of these guys is lying, Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. Uh, they're not telling the truth. <laughs> Another way to put it. So, well, this sounds very interesting. I mean, I, I assume that the Democratic House managers are going to just try to evade the question and filibuster, but it sounds like you've got a couple different angles to come at today. I want to know, beyond the impeachment trial, you have, you have more work to do than just sit on this impeachment trial. What is a day in the life? Waking up, doing whatever you do in the morning, then going to the impeachment trial. I know what you do from 10 p.m. until about 2 in the morning, <laughs> but what does a day in the life look like? All right, so let's take yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I got up, first meeting I had was at 9, uh, was a meeting with, with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel. And so he's staying at Blair House, which is the residence right next to the White House. So I went over to Blair House and, and met with him from 9 to 9.30. 
Um, and I know Bibi quite well. I've met with him many times in Israel and in the U.S. Uh, we're friends. Uh, when he and I meet, it, it's it's nice because they're one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have staff mm-hmm. in there. It's just the two of us. We sat and had a cup of coffee. Uh, we talked. We talked some politics. Look, he's in a crazy situation in Israel. They keep having elections that that he hasn't been able to form a government. And wow. so I was getting his thoughts on what's going on on that and what the dynamics are. Um, we also talked a lot about Iran. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think Bibi's leadership, when it comes to stopping Iran from getting nuclear weapons, has been extraordinarily important, particularly when Obama was president. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when Netanyahu, we invited him to speak on the, the, the a joint session of Congress, mm-hmm. and he called out the danger of the Ayatollah Khamenei with nuclear weapons. And, and the adjective I've used a bunch of times for Netanyahu is Churchillian, hmm. because it was like Winston Churchill when the Nazis were, were, were a gathering storm that he spoke out. He spoke out with a clarity, spoke out with a gravity and a weight, and, and it hmm. helped stiffen the spine frankly, of a lot of members of Congress. One of the reasons Mm. Trump pulled out of the Obama nuclear deal is because Bibi was so strong that he had, that that you didn't have Republicans in Congress just give up on it and say, oh, well, this is, this is done. Let's move on. And and so I think that was very important. So I started the day meeting with Bibi, um, met with him from nine to nine 30, then went and met with my, my staff, my team and we talked strategy uh, for the impeachment hearing. We worked on questions for the impeachment hearing. We, mm-hmm. we just went back and forth. Okay, where do we want to press? And spent about an hour doing that. Then I went back, uh, back to the White House and, and, mm-hmm. and was there. We talked yesterday about the signing uh, of the USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, Trade Agreement. Uh, that was out on the South Lawn of the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, president was there. Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, was there. A bunch of senators, a bunch of House members were there. Um, you know, it, look, it was fun. We heard 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 speeches. The president gave him gave a pretty good speech. He was he was pretty funny, actually. He was almost like a stand up <laughs> comedian. He he was spending a lot of time, sort of almost tongue in cheek, kissing up to the senators and saying, "Hey, I need your votes, guys. My fate is in your hands." And what was amusing is he said, "House members, I don't need you guys. You already voted, so you're like yeah, I can ignore you." But hey, the senators, you know, I mean, it was. Uh, and so he signed it. He was giving out signing pens. I've got a signing pen from yeah. USMCA, so that was fun. Um, and then from there went back to the, back to the Capitol and we went into the trial. Trial started at one o'clock hmm. and the trial went from one o'clock till about 11, 15 at night. Yeah. Stayed in the cloakroom for about 45 minutes, trying to see if we could find a, 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 a deal to get us to 51 and end this trial. Mm-hmm. So it was negotiating with other senators. Got in the truck, headed over here. We recorded the podcast. Um, I got home, oh, probably about two in the morning last night. Uh, turned on the DVR and watched about a quarter of the Rockets jazz game. Don't tell me who won. I only watched a quarter. Uh, and then, uh, although if I will be amazed if the Rockets won because we're so shorthanded, we're missing Harden and Westbrook and Capella. So it, if we won, it's a miracle, but... I, have I to, believe in miracles. I have so to I, admit, I missed the Rockets jazz game last <laughs> night. I'll try to catch it tonight. Um, and then um, went to sleep about 2.30, woke up this morning. Uh, first thing I had this morning was a, a text from my scheduler saying, hey, Lindsey Graham needs to talk to you uh, on impeachment. So I called Lindsey. Uh, Lindsey had just gotten off the phone with the president. And so we talked about 
he and I are both working to see, is there a way Mm. to get the senators who are not sure where they are on additional witnesses to get them get them to, to, to yes, to get them to ending this trial now. And so we're continuing to negotiate and discuss that. And then I headed back to see you. Then you came here. We had a cup of coffee and did the show. This brings up a fascinating point, because in the way that I was imagining how impeachment goes, and I think for a lot of Americans, it's all kind of pre-planned. It's all scripted. Nothing is happening in the moment. Nobody needs to wake up and call the White House and then call your other senator friend and this... And yet, from what you're describing to me, running into the cloakroom, hearing something, writing down a new question, calling Lindsey Graham, he's on the phone with the president. A lot of this is happening in real time. It's not inevitable. We we don't really know how this story ends. But look, I think that's very much right. And that's not true of every senator. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of senators who are just kind of sitting there listening. They're going to cast their vote and that's it. Um. I like to be active. I like to be engaged. As as I as I told Lindsay this morning, I have to admit I'm I'm having a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> now it's not good for the country. I don't want to see it dragged on. I'd like right. to see it ended. But but it is. These are complicated, tough, strategic, legal, political, factual questions that that, that are they're they're nuanced. They're difficult mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I think we're going to end up in the right place, which is the president being acquitted. But how long that takes how is How long that question. takes and how we get there is, is a different story. Could, could you just take us really quickly through the—you're going to get this vote tomorrow, I guess, on whether to call additional yep. witnesses. If they vote no, no additional witnesses, what do the next two weeks look like? So if we vote no additional witnesses, if we get 51 who say no additional witnesses, that we've heard enough— uh, I expect that the Democrats will have kind of paroxysms of rage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see several motions. Then the motions will all kind of be screw you. There'll be there's something like, I can't believe you did this to me. So I have another motion. I have another motion. And some of it is the Democrats will just need to get that out of their system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the strategies Mitch McConnell has employed, which I actually think is has been wise and the right thing, is to make this long and brutal and painful to all 100 senators. Mitch has told us 100 times, this is not going to be pleasant. (laughs) Because he wants the senators to want to end this. That's exactly right. And and there are few (laughs) things more motivating. This is a strange place. So typically, we fly out Thursday afternoons to get back home. Mm -hmm. And we're in our home states Fridays through the weekends. Often, how things get done in the Senate is, as you're getting to Thursday, everything's at an impasse, People are, are there's a roadblock, and then people want to get out. They've got a plane flight, and, mm-hmm. and so the phrase is, jet fumes are in the air. <laughs> and when jet fumes are in the air, you got a bunch of senators, and some of them are in their 70s and 80s, yeah. they're looking to get out of here. And they'll agree to damn near anything <laughs> to get out of here. Some of the angriest I've ever made my colleagues is on fights trying to limit out-of-control spending when I've ended up saying, no, I'm going to object, and, and it's ruined their weekend plans. And, and I mean, you cannot overstate how, I mean, how screaming and enraged. <laughs> You're joking. I am not at all. I mean, literally screaming at the top of their lungs. Mitch knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's being used right now by having these be long, grueling days. What he is counting on is senators, both 
wobbly Republicans and Democrats will say, I got to get out of here mm-hmm. I, enough already that they won't want to extend things forever. Tomorrow, if we have a vote, no additional witnesses, I think you'll see several Democratic motions. By the way, each motion, you've got an hour on each side to argue it. Right. So it will be, I expect tomorrow is likely to be a, a, or a long night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I think we, we will move to the final judgment. Uh, so that would, be, that would be Saturday, you, you would say? Yeah, there's, there's a period of deliberation, mm-hmm. and that deliberation is in closed session. So the t- TV cameras are off, the reporters are thrown out, and it's just senators giving speeches and talking to each other. Um, and then we vote. Uh, I'm not sure the exact timing of a vote, but, I, but if, we, if we conclude that, that additional witnesses are not needed, I am confident that, that, that by Monday— this will be this done. Is over. State, yeah. of, State of the Union is Tuesday. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and so if, if oh. we conclude there are no additional witnesses, I have full confidence we will push through whatever is necessary to get this resolved before the State of the Union. And it will be a very funny State of the Union if this is all resolved before then. What if it's not? What if they vote to call more witnesses? What are the next two, three, four weeks look like? Nobody knows. Hmm. I mean, it, it is presumably you'll have a motion from the Democrats to call John Bolton. If they're 51 who just voted for more witnesses, you have to assume they're 51 for that. Yep. Presumably, you'll have a motion on the other side to call Hunter Biden. Uh, I am very confident we'll get 51 for that. You know, Chuck Schumer is telling reporters there will never be 51 to call Hunter Biden. He is full of it. Really? I mean, he it's total is, bluff. It, it, it is total spin because he's saying, well, our Democrats will vote now. Well, look, even if four Republicans join with the Democrats in calling Bolton, those four are not going to say we will only call prosecution witnesses and not defense witnesses. Right. Right. I, I, I'm confident if we're calling witnesses, if John Bolton is getting called, that we'll have at least 53 votes to call Hunter Biden. And by the way, Joe Manchin also said he might vote, Democrat from West Virginia, he might vote for Hunter Biden. The point is, if we go down this road, we'll have at least those two witnesses an interesting bit of speculation, I've heard several senators say this in the cloakroom, that they think the Democrats are voting for more witnesses, but hoping, desperately hoping, they lose that vote. Because a lot of these Democrats are terrified if we open the door to more witnesses and we bring in, say, Hunter Biden, or we bring in Joe Biden, or we bring in the whistleblower, that things get really mm-hmm. bad because what they've managed to do in the House proceedings is cover up all of the evidence of corruption. We start bringing in witnesses and suddenly that corruption, you know, it's going to be real interesting seeing Hunter Biden on, on the floor of the Senate be asked million bucks a year. What'd you do for that? What services did you provide for a million bucks a year? And what'd your dad do to help you out? This almost has me hoping for more witnesses, but I just want to be clear. If more witnesses are called, this is not going to continue to be an every single day, 10 hours a day. No, I think that's right. So, so if, if the Senate votes to subpoena, let's say we subpoena both John Bolton and, and Hunter Biden. That's going to take some time to shake out then. Those subpoenas will be served. I think it's likely you'll see litigation, at least on the John Bolton side, with, with the White House asserting executive privilege, trying to block his testimony. That could take weeks or even months. And so I think what is likely is the Senate would go back to regular business for a period of time Mm -hmm. until such time as those witnesses can come. And by the way, usually with witnesses, you have a deposition first, and then you have trial testimony. So 
if we go down the road of more witnesses, I would anticipate that being sometime in the future, minimum of a couple weeks. Okay, so we'll get a little bit of a break, and then the Senate has to go from this very intense trial back into the normal business of the Senate, back into possibly removing the president from office. Yep. That seems like a lot of whiplash. Uh, it, it is, and listen, I think there are a lot of Democrats really nervous about the direction these facts are going. Hmm. I, I'll give an example. Yesterday in questioning, Adam Schiff said early on, he, he said, if any part of the president's motivation was, is corrupt, then that's enough to convict him. Now, does this mean there was a, a big angle on this yesterday, which was the difference between a, a private motive and a public motive, you know, private interest yeah. or the national good? So and I think actually Dershowitz did a really good job yeah. of sort of breaking out three scenarios. Yeah, there is one scenario, which is the sort of Mother Teresa, that you're making a decision <laughs> because of love of humanity and the greater good. No selfishness. No selfishness. And he said, look, there are not a lot of people in politics making a lot of decisions like that. And he is right in that. <laughs> right. He said there's, there's the other scenario that is the corrupt and venal, mm -hmm. that your motive is purely selfish. I, look, it's give me a bag of cash. Mm -hmm. it's, it's bribery. Or for that matter, look, that's what's alleged about Joe Biden. Give my son a bag of cash. Right. I mean, it is. You want to talk about the three scenarios, the Biden allegations at a minimum are in category three. Mm-hmm. And then category two is the big one, and it's mixed motives, hmm. where you have some public interest, you want to do good, but you're also looking to political self-interest. And one thing to keep in mind, listen, with elected politicians, just about everything you do, one of the considerations you're thinking about is, will the folks back home like it, mm -hmm. and, and will this help me get reelected? Right. And that, look, I think politicians think about that far too often. I'm a big believer in the proposition that good policy is good politics. If you do the right thing substantively, it'll, it'll play well back right. home. But you see, you know, we just passed the USMCA. A bunch of senators, a bunch of House members voted for that. A big reason they voted for that is their mm -hmm. constituents want them to. It's good politics. Um, just about everything. All right, let me ask this. Let's apply the Adam Schiff test. If any part of the motive is corrupt, and by corrupt he means thinking it will advance his partisan interest, then it's impeachable and you should remove him from office. Let me ask you a question, Michael. Do you believe any part of Adam Schiff's motivation is partisan? Oh, it couldn't possibly be. Not Adam. Well, maybe yes. I think I, we would all have to say, of course, part of Adam Schiff's motivation is partisan. What a ludicrous standard. Right. He literally argued if the president had even the tiniest bit of political motivation, he should be impeached and removed for office for high crimes and misdemeanors. So if the politician had a political motivation at all in any degree, then he's got to be thrown out of office. I, it, it, look, it shows this is a game. They mm -hmm. know it's a game. Right. They know that standard. Uh, you know, no, no politician could survive that standard. Look, I'm shocked, shocked there's gambling in Casablanca. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that. Do you remember the compliment that was made uh, of, of Bill Clinton, that, that, that he's an exceptionally good liar? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not, I'm not even going to connect that. Thought. We'll just leave it at that. And it seems as though you might be paying somebody a compliment. We have got to get you to Capitol Hill. We've run a little late anyway, and we need to make sure that you ask all of those questions of the House impeachment managers. And then we will be right back tomorrow to see how it all turns out. I do have to make one point. Okay. We talked before about milk. <laughs> this is the most important point. Two liquids are allowed on mm-hmm. the Senate floor. I need to tell you a major landmark occurrence this week. Please go on. Let's make some news. Uh, yesterday, I was looking over at Richard Burr from North Carolina, and I looked over at his, at his desk, and on his desk, a page brought him chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. What, what, what is the... Well, I, so I took one of the witness cards, the question cards that you write to the Chief Justice, and I wrote out a question from Senator Cruz. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, is it, is it the case that Senator Burr is the first senator in the history of the U.S. Senate to have chocolate milk at his desk? And I didn't send it to the Chief Justice, but I did pass it over to Richard, who cracked up laughing. So we have apparently made a new precedent that I don't think has ever occurred. And, and the Nestle's precedent has been set. When the historians look at this moment, they might say third time ever that a president was impeached, first time ever a president was impeached without being accused of a crime. That's going to be a footnote because the big precedent is the first time ever chocolate milk was drunk on the Senate floor. And next podcast, ask me about what John Thune and I are planning to do about this. (laughs) Kahlua? (laughs) We'll have to wait and see to find out. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Ben Ferguson here, and if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. And I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investments to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit Labrador Energy. 
Synergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more now at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.